0: Welcome to Bra Meets World. I'm Siege. For it's Bra Meets World. <laughs> Every time?
1: Every time. Every time. Okay, cool. I'm Siege. And I am Tony Curtis.
0: All right, yes. And welcome to Bra Meets World, a coming-of-age story as told by two grown-ass men.
1: Uh Yeah, just to be clear, we are colored men approaching 30. Just to give you an idea of where we're coming from.
0: We are right.
1: We grew up essentially with Corey, but only via a television and only via a television that had a knob that didn't work right.
0: Oh, yeah, dude, I had that same TV. We all did. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: right. we all did yeah right <laughs> didn't we i think we all did yeah. uh all right so um we this is a podcast that will rewatch, reintroduce the world to uh boy meets world uh it just came back on hulu which is how we're accessing it uh, how is it possible
1: that it took till 2017 for us to get boy meets world on
0: hulu? um we still don't have Aaliyah on spotify so things just take time that's all yeah. I'm going to say. They take time. every day is an uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> Kids these days will never know. They'll never know. Yeah. Uh, never yeah. Know. yeah. But um, so we are reviewing. This is our pilot episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this pilot episode, we will be reviewing the pilot episode um, of Boy Meets World. Um, so, TC, uh, tell them a little bit of why you're doing this. I'm I was very interested in doing a
1: Boy Meets World podcast simply because um, I I don't consider myself an expert in a lot of things. But I do consider myself a <laughs> Boy Meets World expert, uh, even just from the few conversations me and CJ have had. It's it's hard for me to to talk about something without bringing up like specific like air dates or <laughs> yeah, no, uh, episode, no. name and titles. You're like all that stuff. Just I just know it because this show resonated with me more than any other show of my childhood.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think not only is uh, Boy Meets World crucial for a lot of people our age, and I think a lot of um, individuals just grew up with it. And I want to come back to the importance of Feeney, but I don't know anyone who has an encyclopedia knowledge of a show as much as Tony Curtis has of Boy Meets World.
1: Well, it's just, it's one of those shows, and I've told you this before, I don't think there's a single problem in life that you can't relate back to a Boy Meets World episode. It's just good to know these episodes inside and out, because, like, I learned lessons via them learning lessons learned lessons
0: i still learn lessons like i i I turned to feeny when i (laughs) needed (laughs) mice and that's the great thing about
1: revisiting this is that we kind of realize now that these lessons still hold up and which that's probably why this show holds up probably better than a lot of other tgif shows is that it seemed as though there was a little bit more sincerity a little bit more heart and as They matured. The show matured with them. Um, It wasn't Full House. It kind of kept a very childlike gimmick going the entire time, Um, you know, as they went on to college and everything. It just really felt like you grew up with them and they were your friends.
0: Exactly. So for those who don't know, uh, TC, do you want to give a little background on Boy Meets World? Just... Uh, on the show itself? Sure, yeah. Um
1: Well Boy Meets World um was created by Michael Jacobs. I think it premiered in nineteen ninety-three. Um it stars uh Ben Savage as Corey Matthews. He is the middle child uh to Alan and Amy Matthews. Uh he has an older brother, Eric, and a younger uh, daughter named uh Morgan. Um we'll get to At more- <laughs> times. <laughs> at times he has a sister I, named Morgan. Uh, at times, yeah, when she's not in timeout for years. Um he goes, he lives in Philadelphia with his best friend, Sean. Um, he eventually, uh, meets a girl named Topanga that he, he starts dating and the, This whole cast just kind of goes through the ups and downs, this coming-of-age story of Corey realizing that he doesn't really know much about the world. He's trying to figure stuff out. And every episode, he's learning from either his friends or his teachers or his parents' lessons that help him become a better person and figure life out. And I want to cry just thinking about it.
0: (laughs) I mean, again, this, this show is... It's more than a television show in reality. It's both a time capsule to where the world was. It's a time capsule yeah. to where I was growing up. And um it I think this show to me is what the retelling of Wonder Years was.
1: You know? It's yeah. Like a, this was this was Wonder Years for our generation, for sure. Yeah, but like
0: it it lasted so much longer and it it just grew I will up say with I us. think
1: they had the same amount of seasons. I could be wrong. Boy Meets World could be winning by one season, but I know Wonder Years at least has six. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. So, but yeah, but as literally, I think the year Wonder Years ended. It ended in '93, and then Boy Meets World started that fall. Did we? So to- we've never been without savages from like '1986 <laughs> to like I, as long
0: as I've been alive. There's been a savage on my TV screens. Yeah, that's
1: the way I prefer it.
0: All right. Yeah. 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 um Question though, on that, did we ever go to college in the Wonder Years?
1: No the episode ends I think the series ends as they're kind of having a an end of the year parade it's their senior year it's all ending so all right is. cool
0: so we so we did go further with this this group of individuals
1: It's only possible because I will tell you they start at the same age <laughs> all right and then we we do a time jump. Is what you're saying. For those who watch Boy Meets World, you'll understand that there are years of these kids' lives that we are glossing right over. They, I think, like, they start middle school in season two and they start high school in
0: season four. Look, the, the, what we were saying is those years weren't important. I mean, there's a yeah. whole half of the school we don't get to, so we're not going to nitpick on...
1: <laughs> it seems as though they condense middle school and high school into
0: two years. Well, to be fair, when you think about middle school, especially middle school and freshman year, so to speak... I mean, all of that can kind of just be blended. It all kind of
1: blends together. You're right. You're right. And They're you know, like, we're, we're not teaching you anything you don't know.
0: It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So um, let's start with a, our new segment. We're going to go with a segment called Tell Me About It. That's where I read the Hulu description of the episode and TC Ooh. comments. So uh, this episode, Hulu describes as love is a many confusing things for 11-year-old Corey Matthews. Uh,
1: and I think this is a great description, um, not only because it's really um, in a very tight sentence um, discusses what Corey goes through in this episode, but also what Corey goes through throughout the series of the show. I mean, he is confused by love. He's confused by life. But his confusion and the people who help him out throughout his life and his confusion are what make the show... Wonderful. Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, I a thousand percent agree. It's uh, really funny because I do think that this summary, love is a mini confusing thing for 11 year old Corey, it literally drops us directly into where we're at. Everything we need to know about this character uh, is given in that one sentence. And it's weird because very rarely is it like a one sentence description that gives you everything. And all sure. the important facts are, are right there. Okay, And I love that it says 11-year-old because
1: you immediately know just like this is an awkward age. They're just starting puberty. Um, this is the end of childhood and the beginning of like just teenage them and just what all that comes with that. And it really just lets you know exactly where we are in Corey's life. The
0: end of childhood. Boy meets well, Man, I'm really mad I didn't get that till just now. (laughs) Ah, man. Michael Jacobs had you, man. (laughs) All right. All right. So let's get into this. Um, get into the episode. So again, we are talking about the pilot episode and let's just talk about a little bit of our opening shots. Again, our very first line in this is good morning, Mr. Feeney. And, uh, I think that's really important because that sets up the second most important character, I would say. Of the series uh, Definitely the most influential Which is Mr. Feedy.
1: I just love that they had this really strong student-teacher relationship be almost the foundation of the show. I mean, Feeney is like, um, you know, there's episodes where he's not as involved. There's episodes where he's not the one directly teaching the lesson, but he is just kind of viewed as just this, he's the white James Earl Jones. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I like just this all wise and just filled with just all these lessons that he's going to make you learn the ways that don't seem as if he's trying to teach them and I, I he's the teacher you always wanted when you were in school
0: oh i mean yeah and then what's great about it is immediately the first line the first two lines of dialogue are good morning mr feeney good morning mr matthews and even with that mr matthews it tells you who George is. It tells you what type of teacher George Feeney is. He respects Corey. You know what I mean? There is, you're right, there is that exchange of Mr. Matthews,
1: Mr. Feeney, there's this mutual respect between them, even though Corey's kind of a smartass to him in this opening scene, you know that he still has this reverence towards his teacher. He res- understands that there is that uh, that line between student and teacher. Um, he's not, like, overly rude. Um, I-, I got kind of a Zach Morris vibe um, when I was Watching it uh, again, <laughs> just because the way he talked to Feeny seemed a little too smart alecky
0: for Corey, it seems. um But it's but a yeah, it's an eleven year old Corey in my it's mind. An like, it Corey, makes right. sense for an eleven year old Corey. And I think what's great with this series and in this episode even is we get the beginning of this very immature, no cares kid. Who yeah. slowly learns that there's more than just his wants and needs. And I think that and more really than baseball, funny. which apparently is a <laughs> huge thing for Corey
1: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not baseball, the test of
0: time. It's really funny. You pointed this out when we were talking earlier, but baseball is Corey's uh, main love interest uh, at the beginning of the series. Yeah. It just seems as though it was just a way to really
1: kind of make him this all-American uh, young kid. It's it, There's something that's inherently innocent about baseball um, that I, I think really helps to kind of show you where he's at maturity-wise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I wrote my number one note after uh, the immediate dynamic is cute innocence. Like, that is what Corey is. He is just cute, and he's innocent, and you you want to follow this kid wherever he goes, but he's also, in a sense, wise beyond his years. Like, just the the back and forth that he has with Mr. Feeney, the whole, the bell rings, and he's like, four hours till lunch. You know, it's just like, it's like a sure. kid who clocked in and is clocking out. And Well, let's, let's talk about this opening scene a little bit. So
1: Corey yeah. has this kind of cutesy exchange with Mr. Feeney, who, by the way... Feeney has a full British accent. We come to find out that Feeney is from Boston, but for whatever reason, his accent is like 100% British, Is right?
0: it British? I don't think it's British. I've never seen it... You never heard it as British. What did you hear it as? I've always seen it as posh. I mean, which is a British term, but like... I've I think always... the technical term for it is like a JFK
1: Mid-Atlantic kind of... Yeah, like... Like proper...
0: I've a proper England. It's like, to me... Feeney has always had a air of sophistication. It just Um, seems as though, like, he, like, went to Oxford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if you, if we found out Feeney went to Oxford, I wouldn't, like, it wouldn't mess with what I know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Um, (laughs) Anyway, so,
1: yeah. So, he has, Corey and Feeney have this cutesy exchange, and then he goes back to the cafeteria table with Sean, who we meet for the first time. Yeah. Uh, And another kid whose name is never given? Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, we're just going to call him
0: Dirty Kid third seat kid yeah third seat kid this this episode's third seat kid because uh, Tz, you have a little bit of trouble oh yeah uh, well
1: <laughs> I own the uh, DVD uh, seasons of Boy Meets World because I wasn't going to wait for Hulu to release this song. <laughs> as they released I bought them day of the first three seasons have commentary um, which don't even get me started about how heartbroken I am that my treasured season four and five don't have commentary oh
0: yeah you love those seasons so it, they're the best but
1: um, in this pilot episode you hear uh i think it's the creators and the cast kind of talking about how they were kind of looking for a third member to feel fill that seat um and no one ever really clicked the way that sean and Corey clicked and it wasn't until i think the episode where um sean blows up a mailbox that like it kind of just became like oh let's just do Corey and sean and they're best friends yeah and what happens is that Topanga eventually fills that third slot. But so that's kind of where the show is at this point. It's still finding its voice, still figuring out what it wants to do with the dynamics of its characters. Um, and I think even in this next, the scene that directly follows the cafeteria scene where you have these other kids in the classroom talking more so than you've ever heard other kids talk in the Boy Meets World <laughs> episode. Um, it just kind of shows that they didn't really know what they wanted to do quite yet, but they were still on the
0: cusp of it. I mean, yeah, to be fair, this is the pilot episode. And oh, sure. on, on top of that, um, I think it's, it's really interesting because even if you look at, take Sean in this episode, Sean's just another, like the third seat kid and Sean are on equal footing. These are just, it's just a classroom full of kids who go to school together. Whereas in later episodes, we know the distinct bond that is Corey and Sean. And, that's not there yet. Um, and, and as you said, I think we eventually get there um, through... I think we get there pretty
1: quickly. I think it's just like a few episodes in where they the Sean kind of becomes his
0: best friend. Um... Well, not only that, but also what's really important to me is Sean is, at this point in time, also just a regular dude. There's some establishment, uh, especially in later episodes, that... Sean is the cool one, and, you know... And,
1: and yeah, there is there is a lot of backstory that's given to Sean eventually throughout the show. Um, I mean, he's, he's one of the best characters of the show, I think, just because of his backstory and the arcs that he has. Um, but at this point, you're right. He's just another kid. In fact, they're talking about at the cafeteria table how late they got to stay up and watch The Tonight Show. i Yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, oh, how late did you stay up? I got to see the monologue. I got to see monologue opening guests. I got to see opening. And They just keep going with how late they've stayed up. At no point does Sean mention like, oh, I live in a trailer. We don't have TV. Exactly. Like, it's never
0: said. Like, it's, I mean, but then again, the I, there's a good chance that, I mean, knowing, like, of course, we know more about his backstory, but he's probably still could have done it. But then again, this is a game that they play almost every day so if you know the beat then you can just kind of participate and fake it sure, if you want Sure, because it's like uh uh what is it it's like monologue opening guest bad comedian yeah that's every late night show <laughs> i like to think that sean's not poor yet I think, <laughs> oh okay, okay i
1: think it kind of gradually happens i mean suddenly within this the first half of this first season but it, it's it hasn't there, it's not there yet.
0: All right, cool. So his his father's still working at the plant. Let's put it that way. Sure. Let's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, his mom hasn't went, run away yet. Yeah, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're good. All right, so that leads us to the next scene, which is we find out that we are reading Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Mr. Feeney is telling us... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
1: We glossed right over the opening credits, and we have to talk about it. Um, okay. <laughs> because this is the pilot episode, and this is the first time we're hearing the theme song for this part of the series. I believe it's the first two seasons that have this theme song. Um, What are your thoughts
0: on this theme song? I told you, I find this theme song adorable. It is innocent. It is, uh, it is whimsy. Yeah. It's very whimsy. And it's, it's good for the time and subject matter. We are dealing with child issues right now. We are dealing with, um, the innocence. And again, I, and I think, I think it fits. Um, I know just to paint the picture. It. I'm sorry, just to paint the picture for our
1: listeners who may not uh, be familiar with the opening sequence of the first two seasons of <laughs> Boy Meets World. Um, it's literally 11 year old. Ben Savage um, in front of a green screen, just like people are like, hey, move to the left. And then like a giant cartoon baseball passes his head or an animated paper plane passes his head. And what
0: I like, love more than anything is you're right. You needed to talk about this opening sequence because you're so- I needed to. <laughs> well, it's
1: my least favorite of the opening sequences. I also just don't think it's going to come up in other episodes other than the pilot until we change
0: opening. You know what? Song. I will give you that. But no, no, it's just, it's funny. You are like that green screen bothers me so much oh. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean like we get we get the um i guess tgif especially knowing that this uh show premiered on there, we get the tgif friendly version of this uh no, of no, it's,
1: it's interesting that you bring that up because in tgif I, at least at this point in the series this was the only one that didn't have a single long theme song
0: Well, true, but not only did it not have a sing-along theme song, but the focus isn't on everyone else. Every other show has like, we're, we are a family and we've come together. This show is very much like a, Corey is our star. The shows start that way until an annoying neighbor becomes popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, if we're talking theme songs, if we're talking TGF theme songs, I mean, even step by step, like everyone gets their own little moment and their cameo. And I think this show sets itself apart, first of all, in in opening sequences, but then also in the fact that they're like, we're not, this isn't a show about the entire family. This is a show well, about I, Corey. I would actually
1: argue that the opposite, that they're showing all the family and all of it. Yes, it's revolving around Corey. But when you think about like the theme song for like the end of the series, where their parents aren't even in the opening credits, um, you show that this is definitely moved from a family-based show to a show about a boy and his friends versus
0: family. Um, But that's what I'm saying. I think that it's always about a boy and his friends. I don't, because I think it's always about the people. If you want to look at it, I would say that the opening sequence always tells us who's the most important people in, Corey's in his life world at that time. Yeah. In his world. Exactly. Because yes. in the very first two seasons, we get um, the, the entire family, Mr. Feeney and Sean. It cut to high school. It is Corey Topanga Eric. And then yeah. when you get to college, that's when we get a little bit more people. But as you said, the family kind of. You really learn if this is the
1: <laughs> if this is the fan theory you want to go with, then you really learn exactly when uh, Corey started to care about Jack and Angela. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I like that. That's a it's very a good, good point. It's, and I'm not going to lie. Th- there's no reason for him. And very. I mean. I, I like this. I'm sticking with this fan theory, and I'm going to totally hold it down. All right, Again, This, this, this the is theory. something that we're we, this is uh, bra meets world canon. Yes. <laughs> the opening <laughs> sequence tell us at what point in time these people are relevant uh, to Corey's life. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, so going into the, the first real scene, uh, we are reading Romeo and Juliet as all TV shows that – to take us into the classroom must start off with, um, and Feeney is telling us the importance of love. Um, and we get third seat kid, who again at this time he has a name, but there's we know he won't be around for third seat long. kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he asks Mister Feeney. Uh, if this is even important, can he just stab her with a knife? And there's this black girl on the table who says, and I quote, you touch me with that knife, you better kill me the first time. And, I, <laughs> you know, I get this. As a show that's, uh for the most part heavily white in it's uh casting. Bruh, yeah Bruh. are we getting into this right now yeah we it right now we get uh, a little bit of um black sass but we do so in a way that black I girl in Philadelphia apparently i have to admit it seems very real for her character it wasn't like a especially at this time it's not stunt casting or even a stunt line it's just true to how she read it
1: sure 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 sure
0: all right um but yeah so that's going on at
1: the front of the class in the back of the class you have Corey, who's uh sean is directly behind him Corey has a headphone in his ear and he's listening to the baseball game the phillies game and he's giving sean like you know the, the play-by-play of what's going on feeny catches wind of this walks up to Corey takes the headphones from his ears and he's saying it out loud to the class. And Corey's on the edge of a seat as this play's about to like, you know, oh my gosh, he's up at bat and he hits it. And then, and then Feeney turns it off. <laughs> Corey, you know, he's bummed and he's like, you know, why do I have to care about a guy killing himself over some dumb girl? To which Feeney gives this long, eloquent spe- uh, monologue about love and the importance of it, to which Corey responds with...
0: You realize I'm only eleven, right? Exactly. Again, it's like we get this this uh bum bump from Corey, like oh the the rimshot dialogue. It's where someone will say something very meaningful to Corey and Corey just has like a witty comeback. Uh and again, I like it. It's smart smart alec Corey. And I think well, it works.
1: What I appreciate about this is that where other TJf type of shows might have just left that there. We come to realize throughout this episode that the Romeo and Juliet uh, story plays an overall role throughout the the whole episode and that's what i really appreciate i appreciate about Boymies world they don't just bring up like the elephant man or like uh, any of these other like classic books that you have to read in high school unless it specifically ties with the episode that it's going with so exactly. it, 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 it could feel really just like oh yeah they're talking about *Romeo and Juliet* in high school blah 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 that's so cliche but it really kind of transcends cliche um, no no
0: of- and I, I i i agree um So, also, I've made a little note in here, technology in school. I just think it's really funny that with The Walkman, which two things happen with The Walkman. One, it gets Corey detention. So that sets up uh, the later half of the episode. And uh, to me, it's a great reminder that things have all technology has always been a problem in the classroom like the phones are such a big deal now of like kids having phones and being distracted but i mean he has a full on walkman that he snuck inside yeah <laughs> well I, it's it's interesting too just because i remember watching this as a kid
1: and thinking like Do they make headphones like that? Because I had never seen headphones that were just the earbuds. I had only seen the oh, the little wire band. Yeah, so that was the first time as a kid I was like, "That's amazing!" Like I need (laughs) that technology, not knowing obviously what
0: where we were headed. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. All right. So then our next scene, we go and we meet Corey's older brother, Eric. Um, and he gets off the phone and he just set up a date with this hot chick, well, Heather. Let's talk about Eric for a second, because Eric
1: at this point, if those who have seen the show don't really remember the first season, he's a very vanilla version of Eric. His older brother is very just basic, decent looking older brother. He's somewhat popular. It seems he, he flirts with girls all the time. He kind of comes off to me. He came off very much like Kurt Cameron in growing pains. Like, yeah. Oh, backed replica of that Yeah, yeah uh, Just a suave Older brother type Which,
0: I mean, yeah He does it really well And um, we're gonna get More into it A little bit later With like the next lines But I also think that they didn't know the potential of Will Friedle at this point in time. No. They and, didn't realize that, like, they had Jim Carrey on set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so he plays it like a, a really cool older brother. And I have to admit, looking at this, I was like, oh, Eric's kind of like a – he's a pretty cool dude. I wouldn't say he's the most popular guy at school, but he's definitely – uh, he's, I think he's just, like, middle of the road. I think that's just what we're supposed to get, just, like,
1: average suburban teenager.
0: Exactly. Um, and then I, I, I've spoken to you this about this before, but I have to say that what I love about uh, Eric specifically in this series and and specifically in this episode is there's a fan theory that we always see eric from the perspective of Corey. so the fact that eric right now is uh, (laughs) and you told me this
1: and it blew my damn mind because it's the only thing that makes sense for why eric goes from just a normal teenager to just Like, there's a scene in the last (laughs) season where he's trying to open a can like it's a jar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He just goes so wildly dumb. And it only makes sense that as Corey grows up, his view of Eric shifts Yeah, and how mature Eric is and how suave and cool and funny. All of that changes as Corey realizes, oh, no, he's just a lame guy trying to open a, a, a can with like a junk
0: exactly and i think and i think that that theory works so well not only because of how we see the character grow and change but it works so well because that's how again from the perspective of a 11 year old boy your older brother is just so cool and is like your idol and then by the time you realize that your older brother Hasn't gone to college, has you know. It's just like it's trying to get by on his looks. It, 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 he starts to lose some of his charm, and I think that's where we go with um with Eric in this series. But he's always hilarious. Oh, he hilarious. is always great. I we just need to talk about this for a second because we have <laughs> un, we have
1: come across two different fan theories that suggest that Ben Savage's character has the ability to directly affect the world around him in ways that we are we've been unconscious of up until this point.
0: Actually, you know what? I think this theory holds for everything because that would even explain why Sean is kind of like an average kid until Corey learns more. And then that's when yeah. poverty really kicks in. So what or the fact that like Chubby's closes the week Corey leaves for college. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not only boy meets world, but
1: world revolves around boy it seems like (laughs) literally the world revolves around Corey, and as he moves through life it's like you need to hang out with him or you could die minkus
0: (laughs) we haven't quite gotten there yet all right so let's move this along a little bit um so we go and this another uh subplot that we get is that Eric has now got a date with uh, the popular girl, Heather. Uh, Corey comes in. He's really excited about the Phillies game. And then Eric breaks the news that he's going to take Heather and not Corey and this, yeah
1: we were we learned that uh eric has a part-time job and he bought these baseball tickets himself so it's really his decision who he gets to take to the to the game Corey's really devastating he starts crying to his parents you know blah 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 you know eric promised this to me it's not fair i've lived with
0: him for 11 years <laughs> i deserve this yeah exactly uh again all of this shows us this fleshes out the rest of the the cast at the time we get to see his mom who's You know, caring, but she's also involved in all of her children's life. You
1: know, well, the mom actually. The reason why Corey gets offended is because the mom's actually really excited that the girl said yes to Eric. She's a great Amy Matthews. Is I think her and Alan are my favorite TV parents. They're actually real TV parents. I mean, they're just parents. they're real, they're sincere. It doesn't ever feel like they're talking down to the kids. It. it I don't know. I just feel like they just added such a, a gravitas to those roles just by taking them as seriously as they did that they're... I don't know. When I watch Full House and when I watch Family Matters, it just doesn't
0: seem like these people honestly care about these kids. I'm, I'm with you. I think, as I was saying, with Amy, she... In this one scene, she pays attention to each one of her children. Yeah. Um, And I I don't know if that was like a specific thing that they did on purpose, but she pays attention to every one of her children. And in the episode, Alan does as well. Um, Yes.
1: In this scene specifically, we do meet Morgan for the first time. I will say that. Yes. Um, and we're also introduced to Alan and Amy, who I don't know have been introduced prior to this, other Not than the opening credits. So we're, we're introduced to the to the family for the first time, and we also were introduced to this dynamic of Corey being the middle child. Yes. Uh, in my research and some of the uh, commentary that I've heard of the creators, they really wanted to show, for the first time, the TV show from the perspective of the middle child, because if you watch Growing Pains or if you watch Family Ties or any of these other ones, it's always from the cool adult. Like You would imagine that the show would be from Eric's perspective, based on television's landscape, but they were really the ones that thought, no, the middle child's always the one who's forgotten about. They're the one who's always the most awkward and looking for attention from their parents. Um, and so they made Corey that. So in this opening episode, the whole plot is Corey feeling abandoned by his entire family. He feels forgotten about, um, mostly because of Eric's decision to take his date to the...
0: <laughs> Which, again, uh, is a very 11-year-old problem. And I think, one, that it, it makes for, uh, as low stakes of a problem as it is, it does hold some kind of weight uh, in reality. Can I bring up
1: one thing about this scene uh, just before we move on? As we're introduced to this whole family dynamic, um, we see that Corey looks nothing like anyone in his family. (laughs) Only bringing it up because it comes up throughout the series that he's kind of the awkward looking one in his family. But it's true. The rest of them look like like, I, I would think Eric was their kid. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I could buy Morgan being their kid. I don't buy Corey with his hair that, again, the very first note I wrote down when I saw this was he is my identical hair twin.
0: Yeah, yeah, you you needed to put that down. And again, Corey is probably like the only white boy on TV I know who could sympathize has, with our hair needs. I, curls and yeah.
1: it just anyways so i just wanted to point that out for those who don't really can't visualize this he he looks different and it comes to play later on so exactly
0: anyways. all right so uh next thing we're back at school um we are back in the cafeteria and uh it's meatloaf day sean's has some fuzz on it oh i do, i do want to say that we've also i uh, we kind of passed it and i just want to touch back on it real
1: fast um when the family's all together we do learn that feeny lives next door that's yes. introduced by Amy, who's like, hey, I heard you got detention in school. And he's like, how'd you
0: find out? And he, she said, Feeney put his face over the fence and told me. And actually, Corey goes a little bit more on that explanation. And he goes, you bought a house next door to my teacher. I want to move. Call the guy with the gold uh blazer jacket yeah
1: (laughs) um and one of the things that's interesting about this is that this was shot around the same time as home improvement so you have that idea of the neighbor over the fence who's really kind of giving wisdom which is this something that was a thing that like a a wisdom like a neighborly i don't know about
0: giving wisdom but i i will say that um when I went to high school, we had a older couple that lived next door to us and we didn't interact with them as frequently as Corey does. But like, yeah, if I was mowing the lawn or uh, if I went out to okay. even check. the But down, like you just like
1: went to their fence to just kind of talk about what was bothering you that day. Well, you
0: know, like- <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have a fence like our, our lawns just touched. But I will say that there were plenty of times where it's like he didn't give me life advice, but he would just be sitting on in his lawn chair um just like outside for no real reason you know as older individuals do and And i
1: missed out on this whole thing (laughs) this seems like based on home improvement in boy Beats world it seems like it's really convenient to have a neighbor who knows a lot about
0: shit i mean yeah and and here's the thing i now that you've mentioned it i always try to get to know my neighbors um and i think it's because i grew up knowing my neighbors and i just know the convenience of knowing someone who a knows who's supposed to be in your house and knows what's supposed to be going on. And then also someone who just is like, I mean, now is just like a, someone who can sign for Amazon. I mean, sure.
1: Yeah. That it's, and you know, what's so funny. Um, I'm the exact opposite. (laughs) I see a neighbor wave at me. I feel with anxiety. I wave awkwardly and I walk away as fast as
0: possible. (laughs) Um, back at school, meatloaf day, Corey's Sean has fuzz on it, which, again, is a, a very typical television sitcom kind of thing, meatloaf surprise. Um, Corey says that he's going to try to go to the baseball game still on Friday. And uh, Sean says that you can't go because you have detention. And Corey says, Feeney loves me. Sean replies, Feeney hates you. Corey, well, it's one of the two. And I'm like, again, I just love
1: that back and forth. And we're also introduced to this C storyline of Feeney trying to mack it to this right? other teacher in the cafeteria. Right? Evelyn. So you see them. Yeah, Evelyn. You see Feeney and Evelyn. I, or do they arrange a date or is it just kind of implied?
0: You're right. right. So what we see right now is that um, in this early of the episode, Corey meets Evelyn. He... he introduces himself he says that Feeney hates him you know kind of putting Feeney on the spot on purpose sure. and there's there's no real plan set right now we just from the viewer perspective we understand that Mr. Feeney is in fact Mackin Evelyn we we kind of move on from that scene to the treehouse scene Where,
1: yes, we come to find out that Corey, who's felt abandoned by his family, (laughs) has decided to live in his treehouse versus living with them in their crazy baseball ticket rules.
0: Now, I will say in the 90s, everyone had a treehouse and I desperately wanted one. I wanted a treehouse so bad. Watching this as an adult,
1: I thought they were bad parents for letting (laughs) him spend the night in the treehouse.
0: No, no, no. I think it's great. I think that it's a, a freedom to express himself. And I also think that this is on a school night. (laughs) Well, I think it's one of those things where parents and I will give it like on TV. They do it very often. But I think it's one of those things where parents are calling his bluff. You know, he's like, I'm going to stay up all night. She's like, I know you. You're going to be passed out by nine thirty. The latest you're not you're not doing anything. Yeah,
1: these are this is a classic Cosby show uh, reverse psychology thing. I, I understand that. I'm just saying that. It's Philadelphia. It's cold. It's a cool (laughs) night.
0: Well, we don't know what time of year this is in this cool night. So it could be a warm, warm summer. You're right. You're right. But Corey decides to stay outside and... His mom brings him some food, actually. His his mom brings some dinner to the treehouse. I will note, though, she lists that there's chicken, there's pie, and there's something else. And I was like, she brings a paper bag... What did you, like, what paperback yeah. has all... Is of- there barbecue chicken sitting on top of pie, you monster? <laughs> exactly. That's what makes me think she's a bad parent. That.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really coming to the surface now.
0: <laughs> um, but while Corey
1: is sitting outside... Oh, can I just say one thing about yeah. Amy? Her hair is banging oh, the yeah. entire episode. She has wonderful, like... Early Mariah Carey. Hair. Volume. I don't know how to explain it. Just, he's got yeah, volume. Yeah. 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 It's great.
0: Yeah. Um, sorry. Corey, while he's in the treehouse, he looks over because remember he's next door to Mr. Feeney and he kind of realizes that, oh, he can see into Feeney's house. Feeney doesn't know that he's watching him. Feeney's setting the table that we see. And what I note here is that this is a beautifully done scene because We don't get any audio from inside. This is a completely silent scene uh, in terms of George's perspective. Yeah, it's Corey in his treehouse. He's eating dinner and he sees George
1: preparing a meal for what seems to be two people. He answers the phone. Again, we hear no audio. Um, George seems disappointed. He hangs up the phone and he puts the second place setting away for dinner and he sits down and eats by himself. Exactly. You can tell, again, no audio. No one's saying anything. He feels bad for Feeney. But at the same time, it seems like he kind of like he's glad to have someone that he can have dinner with. Exactly. Um, They they have this really sweet kind of dinner together. I don't know how to explain it. They have
0: dinner. They're alone together. And I think it's really... Uh, I think that's important because uh, it ties into the message later on, but I do, that also is a moment where it shows us that Corey is more than just this bratty kid. He is observant and he is caring.
1: Uh, well, is I think he, it I mean. just kind of, it's that moment when you realize your teachers are people Yeah, exactly. and for that. him, it's, he saw his teacher outside of school, having a very human moment for the first time. And then he kind of, I mean. I think he's more receptive to what Feeney has to say later on in the episode because of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, then he has this whole bit uh, where he speaks to his mother. Uh, I think this is this the next thing. Where, yeah, this is the next scene where Corey sneaks into his house to get underwear. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and she says that she's uh, they're leasing out the room, uh, which, again, I like I love this. The whole parents. Completely... Oh, well, she comes in with the <laughs> Nintendo gun and yeah. to Corey's back and she's like, freeze,
1: mister. or I'll call the police or something. And yeah, she goes like or like drop my son's underwear. What do you, What do you want with my son's underwear or something?
0: Yeah. Yeah. She goes. He goes, it's me, your son. And she goes, how do I know? He goes, who else would want my underwear? And I think, you know, it's just like, a, a again, a very fun tongue in cheek little role. He has and, fun with the kids. Yeah, yeah they do. And uh, again, to me, they completely encourage these kids to follow through on all of your thoughts. It's not shutting him down. It's not you're not going to do this. It's a all right. You want to live outside in your treehouse? These are the consequences. We're going to release out your side of the room. <laughs> and, you know, and I think I think it's funny because that little bit just continues as well. Um, sure. And but what happens is Corey complains to his mom about Eric and she says, you're feeling abandoned. And he goes, yes. He goes, I remember when your dad felt the same way. And I like this because, hey, I, I personally wouldn't know how to relate the feeling that Corey is having in a way that he would care, but simply showing him that he did the same thing to his father is actually a great parallel for an 11-year-old kid. Um, It's the only way he
1: would be able to truly understand uh, Eric's point of view in a way that makes Eric sympathetic in his... In the scenario,
0: exactly, and then even her lesson, she goes. People grow up and priorities change. There's no judgment. Yeah. She's just kind of again letting well, them know. What okay. she
1: says is, she uh, sits Corey down and she's like, you know what, Corey, um, you, your dad felt really abandoned too, and uh, he said by who? And she says by you. And then Corey freaks, he, like he's like, what? I never abandoned dad. And he, she's like, yep, you used to want to play baseball all the time with him and go outside with him all the time, and then you got friends, and you, you know you moved on. And and he's like, why well, didn't abandon anyone she's like well no one that's not the point cory it's just that people grow up and that their priorities change and that you know the people they want to spend time with changes and so she managed to take kind of a complex idea and simplify it in a way that an 11 year old and really anyone could understand
0: not only that but uh based on our f- earlier fan theories i think there's a little bit of foreshadowing here uh, because How so? you know i mean literally what we just talked about uh you hung out with your family until you got friends <gasps> and then yeah that's
1: what i'm saying he abandons all
0: of them priorities change people grow up i mean again we're getting oh, the entire man. layout of the series in this in this first episode what i i do i just kind of want to mention this little uh joke that Corey goes before he heads back outside which is you were always cordial to me when i lived here and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great line delivery i love ben savage's delivery and whenever he gets these little well he has amazing comedic timing and we've talked about this
1: uh just how Ben Savage is I think the reason why the show was able to have the longevity it was able to have because you could see him easily going from these comedic moments to these really dramatic moments um, and he's able to handle both uh, brilliantly. He's great with physical comedy he's great with just like you said wit and timing um, but there's moments where he can really like he's the reason why you're crying and it, it's, it's just uh, it's very powerful especially from a child exactly talent like that. These
0: Savage is just are producing <laughs> gold <laughs> it's actually really funny that you say that because in our next scene um Corey's in detention and he's negotiating with feeny and we get a little bit of this slapstick comedy where it's like he gets up he's like i'm gonna get up i'm gonna edge towards the door I'm gonna uh he does this little dance you know yeah and it. the entire time
1: Feeney's just kind of grading papers ignoring Corey as he gets closer and closer to the door and then Corey finally is like I'm walking out of the door now Feeney says nothing and then Corey just walks back to a seat defeated <laughs> and this 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 stinks or this bites or something and
0: again it's like, like, it's like the post the bite it's detention kind of kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Amy I think everyone knows that Corey is inherently a good kid so even when Corey feels like he's fighting the system Corey's always going to be like Ugh. i mean like with no resistance even at that it's just like a who am i fighting against you know what, what is, yeah yeah what is my stand here so he just goes back to what he knows to be right exactly um, and so i did have a question for you did you ever get detention I got detention my first day of sixth grade <laughs> <laughs> I believe that 100% I, I,
1: for whatever reason I think it was just a thing in our middle school where they just gave out a ton of detentions the first week just to kind of like nip it in the bud right off the bat ah. just like any of that grade school nonsense we're not going to put up with we're going to give you like everyone had detention the first week of sixth grade
0: that's, that's weird that's very weird I will gladly say that I didn't get into detention I, I modeled myself after Corey I was a very very, very good student. Uh, Actually. Oh, I was, I I would be Sean and you would be Corey then. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was definitely more of a Corey uh, for the longest, like even up to the, like the whole celery poster. Like just, it's, it's. We've talked about this. I've looked
1: (laughs) everywhere for that celery poster. I want one. Just
0: that wholesome of a, of a kid. That was me. All right. So um, Corey informs Feeney that he watched him eat dinner last night um, so he kind of says, like, you don't even he's like, I don't understand what's so important about love. You don't even believe in love. Um I, I like I saw you eat alone last night. And, and, you know, he just Corey kind of like lets Feeney know what went on. Yeah, he's
1: really presumptuous. He's like, I know you don't believe in love. I, I know because you 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 and I had dinner last night and I saw that you got dumped and you probably hate love just as so much as I do and let me out of detention. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, and then. Feeney <laughs> lays in the Feeney lays in pretty hard. I think like he, he completely like I, he kind of stops what he's doing. He stands up. He kind of walks over to Corey um, and gives this monologue. Did, I, I was kind of
0: entranced by the monologue. Did you take any notes of it? I mean, I did. I, I listened to it. I, and I think if anything, that in itself maybe put me in a trance. It's like, I wanted to hear everything that he was saying.
1: Yeah. And he
0: says something to the effect
1: of Shakespeare uh, wrote about love. You know, all these famous uh, poets and scholars throughout history have written about this thing. How fortunate for you to be 11 years old and have figured out this thing that has, you know, one of the most complex millions. Yeah. Yeah. The most complex ideas. He kind of walks him through like, you know, the only reason you're alive today is because your mother and father loved each other and they decided that love was important enough to pursue and protect. And, you know, you are the result of that. And he kind of puts it in a way, again, like Amy, that Corey can understand. He's He may not understand Romeo and Juliet, but he understands his parents who he sees every day.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think what's even great, and this becomes a signature of Feeney, too, is after he really lays into it, and it seems that Corey is really thinking about what's been said to him, he lets Corey go. And I think that's one of the things is... George is for for Mr Feeney, if there's a lesson to be learned if you if he feels that you've gotten it then he then you're free to go
1: well right before he leaves I there is something I want to say is that he he tells Corey comedically obviously um, you know those who don't understand the importance of love are destined to be in detention forever and, <laughs> you know it's so interesting just because you have this episode where Feeney's basically trying to teach Corey that love is the most important thing that, you know, it's not anything to joke about. Like, this is something so serious. And Corey's kind of rolling his eyes and towards the end of the episode, he gets it. And I hate to flash forward and be that encyclopedia boy meets world guy. But when you fast forward to like season four, um, long walk to Pittsburgh, where you have Corey, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but you have Corey to paint like basically saying that like to, I'm, we're going to stand our ground and our, our love simply because of Romeo and Julia. We believe that we are Romeo and Juliet. We believe that our love conquers all. And we believe that our neighbor, Mr. Feeney, our teacher, Mr. Feeney told us this for a reason. And it's just great to see how the lessons that Corey learns when he's 11, he s- still is influenced by throughout the series of the show. Um, I, I think that that's what makes Boy Meets World wonderful because Every step of the way, Corey is learning lessons, but he's retaining the lessons that he learns.
0: Almost oh, definitely. Um, kind of, kind of to pivot, pivot back to the to the plot. Yeah, um, yes. we 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 meet um, the next scene. Corey's out of detention. Uh, we find out that Eric had a bad date. Uh, I mean, he said his date um, was. Great, Like Heather was apparently knew everything that she was doing. She was comfortable. Eric was the one who was the one who yeah. felt uncomfortable. And Corey's actually surprised to find out. He's like, what? No, you're cool. You're popular. He's like, no,
1: like newsflash. I'm not cool. And it's the first time I get, I, again, I think Corey has this very childlike understanding of who these people in his life are. And it's when he realizes that these are three dimensional flesh and blood creatures does he stop complaining and more so start aligning and trying to sympathize with them and help them you even see cory in the scene talk to eric be like you know what you should call her again i'm sure i would say
0: yeah he he's Corey's very selfless he encourages eric to call heather and ask her out for a movie he goes a movie is where your skill set's are. it's like a- yeah. He's like, you don't have to talk during the movie. You're great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, which is very wise around his years. Then he goes downstairs. Well, he. It- Uh, Eric even says to Corey, like, hey, why are you, why do you want me to call her? And then Corey
1: says, because I'm told love is worth it. Yeah. Even like right after his detention with Feeney, like he's immediately applying some of these lessons that he's learned.
0: I know. I absolutely love this. Um, Corey then goes downstairs to um, have tea with Morgan, his little sister, which, again, I think it's like it's this mirroring of Corey understanding what it's like to have a sibling who doesn't doesn't spend as much time with you as they used to? So he wants to have that time with Morgan while he can.
1: Well, the hidden like A B C D E storyline I guess <laughs> you could say is that the entire episode, like whenever Morgan is brought up, she's kind of asking Corey, "Hey, do you want to have tea?" And he's like, "No, not right now. I'm dealing with this the stuff I'm dealing with," which is a direct correlation to how uh, Eric is treating Corey. But Corey can't see that until so exactly come full circle and then at the end of the episode he realizes that he has been ignoring morgan um with her request for tea the same way that eric was ignoring him so he does have this really sweet moment where he sits down and has tea with her and is like you know what no matter what no matter how busy i get i'm always going to be able to sit down and have tea with you
0: well no what he says is i always want you to invite me oh okay yeah. uh, which I I think, you may not always do it <laughs> Well, no, no but i think that's really important i think it's like uh yo i may forget but keep me in check keep me in line yeah um, and then he apologizes to his dad. Um, and he, he he again, he goes, uh, I'm sorry for not always being there when you wanted me to. Uh, and I know you guys are going to miss out on that sweet cash. But can you yeah. uh, can I have my room back? And uh, again, we get some wholesome family closure here. Uh, And one of the things I love about this episode is uh,
1: he's having tea with Morgan and his mom is like, "Um, oh, so do you, are you going to put her to bed? And Corey's like, yes. And she, she asks him a question like, why are you suddenly, you know, involved in Morgan and why are you trying to, you know, why are you spending time with her? And he just kind of gives out this, because I don't understand anything about my entire life, (laughs) which is basically the. The thesis of this is series. Exactly. I
0: exactly. I it's can just worry. Corey confused and trying to figure stuff out. All right. And then that is the end of this episode. Now, as the credits roll, but we do get an epilogue. And in the epilogue, we find out that uh, Feeney actually says the words to Evelyn, can I take you to dinner sometime? Um, and he goes, I make a really great meal. I cooked for my sister the other day. And, um, he just kind of then throws it in uh Corey's face that yeah well cory cory cory
1: realizes that he was wrong about his assumption that mr Feeney was dumped and then Feeney looks at him and goes are you confused and he goes yeah and then he goes get used to it exactly and that's
0: how the episode ends yeah again b- yeah um, this is a strong pilot this is a great pilot this is a super Absolutely strong love this pilot. pilot so um before we do that let's get into our Find our um, next segment, which we will be called Feeny Taught Me. <laughs> and in the Feeny Taught Me section, uh, that's where we discuss the lesson of the episode uh, or the main takeaway. And I think we've kind of hit on it very, very often, but I did pull a quote from um, Feeny's speech earlier, which kind of says, There is no greater aspiration than to have love in our lives. Um, uh, like, uh, mm-hmm. beautiful. It's great for the show. I'm
1: so like, quietly bitter that this was the expectation that was given to me as a child <laughs> i'm still a little bitter by it i understand it's beautiful art but at the same time i'm i'm scarred by this guys i mean
0: no i mean i think absolutely uh, mark jacobs mr feeney and corian topanga have s- ruined all expectations um as far as what i think is reasonable to have <laughs> yeah no
1: one's gonna have a love like that no one's gonna meet their wife when they're A toddler? I don't know. Their storyline changes. This show
0: (laughs) is the Instagram filter of relationships. It's
1: like. (laughs) But I do think you're right. This was a great quote. I think that the lesson from the episode is um, resonated throughout every side storyline. It's. It's this lesson of, yeah, love is most important, but it's not just this concentration on romantic love. It's the love between your friends, the love between your family, um, all lessons that make up what Boy Meets World is. All right.
0: Yeah. And finally, we are going to grade this episode. Each episode, we will give um, it a letter grade. And at the end of the season, we will do a little GPA uh, seasonal grade and... um, by the end of it, we'll, we'll know which season was the best overall. We know your thoughts, TC, or I know your thoughts, but, uh, we'll let the grades tell us. <laughs> Actually, I'm
1: going to give it an A minus. Oh, an A minus. Okay. It's a perfect pilot. Don't get me wrong. I feel like it was very strongly written. I feel like everyone gave fantastic performances. What's great too is that sometimes when you watch pilots, like the way the cast, their dynamic is changes as they get to know each other, but it seems like Corey, Like in Eric, they all had the same dynamic pretty much throughout. I mean, obviously Eric gets dumber, but um, it just felt like a show that was already established. The reason why he gets the minus is because of Third Seat Kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. He he was that much of a demerit to you. It's just it's like looking back at like old photos, like family
1: photos, and you see like an ex-girlfriend or something. And you're just like, oh, that ruins that photo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, for me, it's a solid A. I think like as far as a pilot is concerned, I, I will say I'm very forgiving when it comes to pilots because I understand that you have to find your sea legs. And You're, you're right.
1: A pilot is very hard to do. And this one really checks all the boxes.
0: Exactly. And, and again, us knowing where the story goes, I don't think uh, a single part of this pilot is wasted in what it's trying to tell not at all Uh, um so yeah uh so those are our grades for the episode uh any other final thoughts
1: um just that i'm super excited to jump in the show um i i do have to be biased and let you let you know and the listeners know that obviously i'm more of a fan of the later seasons um but i'm very excited to Revisit the first two seasons and see how the show evolves, and see if maybe there's things about it that I like that maybe I didn't like as much previously.
0: All right, so yeah, um, and I'm I'm just a huge fan. Uh, as we said, TC has seen this n- numerous times. His he will. Well, like- I have the DVD, so I didn't have to wait for Hulu to be watched. <laughs> like this
1: was like. Guys, I don't think you understand. Like, there was a period of my life where this was just like a yearly thing. Like, all right, we're going to watch through the series. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm going to do between 10th and 11th grade, and 11th and 12th grade.
0: And, I'm not going to lie. When um, <laughs> this, I'm rewatching it now, so I'll be able to retain things a little bit better. But uh, last time I watched it this way, I used to watch it. It used to come on ABC Family right before I would leave for work when I moved to New York. You know, so, like. Free-form? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Oh, yeah, Freeform. I'm going to stick with ABC Family. I'm going to stick with Fox Family. All right, go ahead. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so this this show literally did get me through uh, a a lot of tough times uh, in in New York winters. But, okay, thank you so much for listening to Bra Meets World. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, at Bra Meets World. That's B-U-B-R-U-H-M-E-E-T-S. World, you you know how to f- spell that. Uh, and email us at brummeatsworld at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X T R A C E E J. And. Yeah, you can find me at Anna Kendrick RT,
1: uh, Anna Kendrick retweets. I simply just retweet whatever Anna Kendrick tweets. Um, That's just a little side thing I'm doing just for fun.
0: (laughs) So that lets you know uh, a little bit about who we are. And uh, yeah, check us out. Make sure you come back for the next episode. And uh, remember to dream, try, and do good. Dream, try, do good, guys. All right, later.